morning, everyone. I'd like to call this March 3rd, 2022 school board special meeting to order. Ms. Goodell, could you please take the roll? I'm here. Dr. Dinner. Ms. Down. Here. Dr. Gould. Here. Dr. Ortiz. Here. Mr. Rain. Ms. Silverman. Here. And Ms. Tice. Here. Thank you. Thank you. And if you could all join me in saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Why? Thank you. Can I please have a motion to adopt the agenda? Move to adopt the agenda as presented. Thank you. Could I have a second? Second. Thank you. All those in favor say yes. 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 Any opposed? Okay, thank you. We'll move on now to section two of our uh, meeting today. And this is to discuss policy JA. And for those um, who are watching us, the reason we're gathered here this morning is the CDC released uh, new guidelines uh, regarding the pandemic and masking um, and how those um, specifically in schools and so we're here today because policy JA is, um, I guess, no longer relevant. And we wanted to talk about either revising it or possibly rescinding it. And um, we wanted to, the, the reason that's an important discussion is that we know that Dr. Noonan, uh, he implements all of our policies. So he operationalizes our policies, the school board oversees governance. And so what we want to do today is talk about whether just rescinding the policy works or whether we, we revise the policy so that um, there are some general guidelines for the superintendent, but leaving the operation still to, to him. So I will kick off if anyone wanted to get us uh, started on this conversation. I know that we have, um, there's been some suggested proposals on how to revise it. I don't know if anyone would like to talk that, talk about those, or I know um, at least one member or two feels that we should simply rescind the policy. Uh, so if anyone would like to get us, kick us off with this discussion. Yes, Dr. Dimmick. I'm happy to start. I, I would like to rescind the policy with no replacement policy. I, I see this as operations and for the first two years of the pandemic, we managed with this in operation. I also, um, and happy to talk about the language of the two revised policies that have been proposed to place the current policy JA. Um, but I think it gives superintendent more freedom and operation if you don't have a policy. I believe this is operation. Thank you, Dr. Dimmick. Yes, Dr. Ortiz. I'm just waiting for feedback. Um I disagree with uh, Dr. Dimmick on this one. Um, in the events, looking forward, we're, in the event that there's um, a serious public health emergency that arises or a pandemic of some fortunes, we'll expect the superintendent, obviously, to make operational decisions to be entered. Um, and we understand, of course, that maximize the person murdered or an important piece of that founded by that inner policy, but when the superintendent has to take, um, 
emergency action that have budget as well as resource implications, those are changes and the budget is a, the budget itself is a policy. Those emergency changes, um, have some sort of force behind the policy. So I think they have some sort of public health or pandemic policy on the books that at least provide guidance regarding how those, um, operational ills are, um, put in place and managed and put it back and forth. Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. Ms. Silverman's. I agree with uh, Dr. Ortiz. I, from my knowledge, I believe there's about 20 jurisdictions within the state of Virginia that did, where the school boards did have some policymaking decisions when it came to COVID policy. And I think stepping back on that would just be uh, shirking our responsibilities here. Um, while I do not want to get into the business of implementing any sort of operations, I do believe that falls squarely on Dr. Noonan's shoulders. Um, thank you, Dr. Noonan and your team for managing all that. Um, I do believe that the school board has a responsibility to make policy for this school district as about 20 other jurisdictions. From my knowledge, there might be more than 20 I uh, have done within the state of Virginia. Thank you, Ms. Silverman. Yes, Mr. Reidinger. So uh, I'll start by saying, you know, I don't think there's a clearly right or clearly wrong answer here. Um, but the the school board did roughly a month ago implement a policy in order to provide guidance on how to respond to public health emergencies. And I, I lean slightly against what Dr. Demick said, simply because you're know, having made the decision that there ought to be a high level policy. I don't know why we would rescind it. I agree with everyone. I think Dr. Demick and everyone else that you know, how to implement the policy in particular is an operational decision that ought to be left to the superintendent and his staff. Um, but the, the rule before under SBE was it 1303 was that we were supposed to follow the guidance to the extent practicable of the Centers for Disease Control. Um, I, I don't believe that we are the right body to make the key decisions about epidemiology and spread because if we're a school system. We're not the CDC. We're not a health department. So it seems to me that the right policy is to basically codify in policy a, a rough guide for the superintendent and the administration about how to respond at a policy level, which is to look to, as we did up until um, the time that the uh, governor first issued his, the current governor was first issued his executive order of what the CDC and the Fairfax County Health Department said. So I proposed some language to policy JA that would not, you know, make that totally required, but would say that the, those are the, the guiding principles and that the, the school, that the federal, sorry, the, uh, fair, the false church city school system, FCCPS will follow to the extent allowed by law because federal and state law could control what we do. And we see that happening right now, <laughs> but to the extent allowed by law, we would follow the guidance issued by the Centers for Disease Control and the uh, 
and the Fairfax County Health Department taking local conditions into account. So that doesn't mean that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a pure, you know, whatever the CD says is the most restrictive we follow it. It means we look at what our conditions are and we decide where it is, but we, we don't make the key decisions that are not within our expertise. We look to the experts in health departments to do that. So that's why I proposed, um, I could see, um, having no policy as well. And I suspect that because he was doing this without the policy, Dr. Noonan would go back to following the guidance of the CDC, the Fairfax County Health Department. So I actually don't see there being much of a difference in implementation at all. It's just a question of whether there ought to be a policy, in my mind, uh, setting the standards that we look to in determining how to implement it locally. Um, and so um, I, I don't think this is a fall on your sword sort of issue, but my general preference is to take, since we know, or at least since I know, what I believe the, the guide star ought to be for what we do, or the guide star, since it's both the Fairfax County Health Department and, and the CDC, I, I'd be perfectly happy and suggest the best approach is to implement that in policy. But as I said, you know, I, I think it's a it's an arguable question, and I don't think there will be a difference in the Thank you, Mr. Ranger. If I can say something real quick, um, I wholeheartedly, you know, agree with Dr. Dimick about that. You know, we want to get out of the business of operations. But something struck me, Mr. Ridinger, when you were talking about Dr. Nunu, and we know he's going to follow the CDC guidelines, but someday. We won't have Dr. Noonan and none of us will be here, you know, and we'll have a different superintendent and a different public health, hopefully not, but we could have a different public health crisis. And it sort of makes me feel like we are leaving the school system, you know, in a good state to have something that guides another superintendent who may not be, you know, as as cautious and as reasonable as Dr. Noonan. And we have something that's sort of a guide, some general guidelines there um, for what one day will none of us around this table. So that's just th occurred to me, but Ms. Tice. I was just going to go ahead and say that I um, I agree basically with everything that has been said. I think um, I would definitely be in favor of revising a policy and uh, making sure that we look to the health experts for guidance without total restriction on following them to the letter based on our, you know, our demographics can be different than other demographics and experts have to give guidance for larger groups than ours. So I think we should, I would like to revise the policy, keeping those um explicitly stated that those are where we're getting our guidance. Dr. Dimmick. Yeah, the question of um, central office folks or Dr. Noonan, perhaps maybe you know the answer to this. I'm wondering, so if, if we have a policy that says we will follow the guidance of CDC and the Fairfax um, Health Department, and it's general with public health. Does that mean that someone here is going to have to come through CDC guidance on neurovirus and life and anything that comes up in school? Like, are we, are we, are we creating something that in future might be more burdensome because you've got to look at CDC rather than just taking the advice of the local health department? Will the wording affect how uh, onerous operations are or aren't if we say follow? A and B. No, I, I, I think that's a, a, a good question. Um, I think it, some of it relies on what the title of the policy is going to be. Um, so if it's a specific, specifically a pandemic policy or something that deals with, um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that, um, 
I don't think that my, our hands would be tied if we took into account local, um, conditions based on, um, the policy as sort of written. Um, so I think, I think we'd still be able to maneuver through it and we would continue to leverage and lean on our local health district for information. And they, they have been sort of the filters of the CDC guidance in some ways, um, and have provided us uh, really good direction all the way, well, not all the way through from the, about halfway through, they started to provide really good guidance. Um, so uh, I think, I think we would, we would be okay. Um, what happens in our highly charged political world? If the guidance is at odds, and and that is an interesting question because that has come up, right? Um, where there has been some, um, there has been some conflict, and so what we have done in those circumstances is we have taken a look at what our current condition is, um, looked at what the local health department has been suggesting, uh, and for the most part, have followed the local health department in the case that there is any kind of conflict. And the reason for that is they are our local partner. They help us with contact tracing, quarantining, all of the routine operations of what happens during a pandemic. Um, so in those cases, I would, I would submit that that in some ways is following sort of our, our local condition, uh, if you will. Then Vincent, which which policy wording would allow would, would allow Dr. Noonan to do what he has said? So the two proposals for the language is that um, the schools will take into consideration the guidance or the schools will follow the guidance. I think either one is fine since the prefatory language says to the extent authorized by federal, state, and local law. Um, I think in some ways saying we'll follow the guidance directs the superintendent to look at all of the information from the CDC and from the health department versus we'll take into consideration allows consideration of the health department center for disease control. And if other information exists out there that is outside those two expert agencies that can be considered as well. So it's, does the board want the superintendent to look at really CDC Fairfax County health department and local conditions or those three things and other elements that might exist that the board is not directing him to consider right now. Or her. Right. So so the policy, um, the policy with the word considers would give the superintendent more flexibility. That's correct. Ms. Silverman. So I proposed the proposal that we're discussing right the second one that we're discussing right now that has the word consideration in it. And to me, it was really important to uh, first of all, again, to stay out of operations, but also to direct the superintendent, to direct Dr. Noonan or his successor at some point, um, who, you know, as you made a very good point, we're not always, unfortunately, going to have Dr. Noonan here um, to make these decisions without bind, without tying your hands. Um, I do want flexibility. We actually used flexibility within the past month um, in passing the first JA policy. Um, you know, was that in conflict with the CDC? I think arguably, yes. Um, I do want to be able to give, uh, you know, our local schools some flexibility in order to make the decisions that are right for us. Well, I agree with Mr. Reitinger that, you know, we are not epidemiologists. We are not the experts in this area. I do, 
I, I do want the superintendent to be able to make decisions that are best for our schools. And, and I think that, that that's why I did propose this, this other um, revision, which has the word consideration in order to give us that flexibility. Thank you, Ms. Silverman. Vice Chair Gold. Yes. Um, between, the, I, I, between the two policies, I feel like sometimes I'm looking at a picture, you're supposed to find the difference and, um, and, and, and lack of legal training. I, 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 I'm having a hard time, but I would say I agree with, um, with uh, Ms. Silverman about the, the flexibility that we want to offer the superintendent in terms of um, implementing um, the uh, policy. I think it is true. We are not epidemiologists and we're clearly not public health experts uh, in education. But I think what we have learned, at least in the last year, two years, is that there is a, a significant difference in interpretation and implementation around the country from uh, respected school districts and states that are using epidemiologists for their decision. And even that uh, interpretation is, 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 is different. So I think we uh, we should have the flexibility. We should have the, that. We should obviously be guided by these uh, entities, but we should still have the consideration of language in there, so we can make the uh, decisions. Which we did do in the last year. We did break from the CDC at different points when we knew that we have done different, made different decisions, made different sacrifices, did the work, and we we're able to do that. And the superintendent, um, we should afford him that ability to to have that flexibility. So I would be supportive of on Ms. Silverman's version um, with the consideration. Thank you, Vice Chair Cole. Dr. Ortiz. Yeah, let me, um, uh, a, a couple of thoughts. One is um, um, the CDC, I have um, two thoughts and a question for Dr. Noonan. Um, the, the CDC, you know, when we look at the guidance for this pandemic, but when we also look at their other, their other guidance for other public health issues, um, they're not written, you know, they're written not necessarily with flexibility in mind, but they're not written as regulations. You know, they're, they're you know, these, these are the things that you should do to minimize risk of X, right? So, you know, when we say we'll follow the guidance, well, guidance isn't that hard and fast anyway. So um, I don't see that as, as that burdensome in the first place. And I see there's, I, I would imagine there's always flexibility there. And if there's something that's pretty significant, like a you know, you know, that's, you know, that, you know, perhaps in the beginning of the next COVID pandemic or something else, we might want to follow the guidance. Um, and, and let me also, a couple of other thoughts. One is I think in the spirit of, of Mr. Reitinger, I don't think in practicality, there's that much of a difference in implementation between these two. So I, you know, I, you know, I don't feel that strongly about either. Um, I do work professionally in, in industry regulation, however, and I find take into consideration to be a very, very weak standard um, when we audit and responsible entities and there's a standard that says take into consideration, they almost never do it, right? So I do think we need to have something, you know, if I were to think of an ideal policy, I think the one without the considerate, the take into consideration language, but taking local factors into consideration so that there's a baseline. And then if there's a need to diverge, then that's the basis on which it's done rather than um, the framing on the front end being um, being the, uh, the, the, where the, where the differences occur, where the, oh, I'm sorry, divergence occurs. So that's, those are a couple of thoughts. Um, one question for Dr. Noonan, however, um, it's the, the CDC and the Fairfax County public health department are, are, are um, called out. Um, you know, are there other organizations that need to be put in there? 
or should there be a gen generic clause regarding other relevant health organizations? Um, I, I, it's a good question. I think, um, I, and let me just give a little bit of a historical perspective here, um, because it may be helpful as you sort of think about this. Um, when, when this pandemic started two years ago on March 13th, you know, when all the schools across the state closed and we've closed on the 12th in 2020, some of the immediate questions that I got were, when are you going to reopen? What are the metrics you're going to use to reopen? And how will we know as a community where we are in those metrics? And at that, <clears throat> that point in time, we weren't getting really any guidance from anybody. Um, so in absence of any guidance, we started to look around and you might remember that we put together sort of a homemade pan pandemic um, dashboard, if you will, because there wasn't anything for us to look at. So we took into account the WHO, we took into account the CDC, we took into account um, our local health department. And then we also looked at some of the metrics here in the city of Falls Church. And in the end, um, what, what happened was all of those sort of in, in some ways at the beginning, they were all in conflict with each other. And there was no clear way for us to define one, who, whose information we were going to look at and two, how we were going to make decisions based on, based on that. So it wasn't until we actually um, got clarification from our local health department that said, we're going to incorporate the, the guidance of CDC into our guidance to you as a school division. And then CDC finally, after about six months or 12 months, came out with some guidance for schools. My understanding is that the CDC also, in, it does look at what the WHO says, does look at what other organizations say. Um, so this is a long way of saying to you, uh, Dr. Ortiz, is that I think, I think the CDC and our local health department are sufficient. Um, I, I will say at the beginning, and, and this is where maybe I see slight differences in the two policies, and I don't want to lean you one way or another. I just want to give you some historical information. And that is that at the beginning, um, we didn't know what to look at, what scoreboard was going to actually identify when to come back or when not to come back. So, so to me, um, anything that is a little more clarifying, um, as an op, as I try to operate the school division, anything that gives me a little bit more clarification of exactly what to look at, um, with, with definitive, um, eyes, I think would be, would be from an operational perspective, slightly more helpful than the other. And that's not to suggest <laughs> Ms. Silverman, that your, your policy is, is lesser than Mr. Reitinger's policy. I just think, um, both of them are good. I, I just wonder, I just wonder if there's two my concern would be if there's another pandemic outbreak, whether I'm here or somebody else is here and there's some language in there, um, to look at it and, and consider it, it just opens up the door to, well, we want you to also consider the WHO. We also want you to consider what's, what's happening here. And so I think being a little more narrow might be helpful from an operational perspective. That's, that's all. And, and as long as I think there's some language in there about taking into account local factors, it does open up a door for us to, to modify. Um, and, and I, I will say, I think we've tried really hard and, and Dr. Gould, you suggested that we've deviated from CDC guidance. I think we've tried really hard as practicable to follow exactly what the CDC guidance has said. Um, there have been some things that we 
you know, we're not practicable for a school system to stop doing. Um, but we have and, and would continue to follow the CDC guidance as, as much as practicable. Thank you, Dr. Noonan. I think, you know, one of the, and I think Mr. Ranger wants to speak in just a second. One of the challenges with the policy is, I think, is the school board has faith in you wants to give you flexibility. But I think I also understand what you're saying is that as a superintendent, having that guidance from the board so you know the direction to head is take some stress off of you as well. So thank you, uh, Mr. Reidinger. Sure. So thank you. Uh, and, and thank you for the clarification, Dr. Nenna. Um, I, I think I substantially agree with Dr. Ortiz. You know, the big question for us is, do we want to give a policy direction to the administration that it should look first to the guidance of the CDC and the uh, Fairfax County Health Department in making decisions about taking account into local conditions, sort of what Dr. Noonan was just talking about. Do we want to do that or do we just want to leave it totally in the administration's discretion? Um, I, I thought we crossed the bridge that we wanted to do that when we passed JA in the first place. And it does strike me for the reasons that Dr. Noonan identified that that's a good thing to do. Um, that said, I, you know, if, if a majority of the board doesn't agree with that, I'd be happy to either, I'd be willing, I should say, to either vote for the policy that says um, we'll follow, you know, taking account local conditions or to rescind the policy entirely. Oddly, I won't support a policy that says take into consideration. Um, and the reason is essentially what Dr. Ortiz said, it doesn't do anything. You know, it's effectively rescinding the policy. It just gives us a policy that's out there that doesn't provide any direction at all to a future administration. It's, you, know, you could just say, well, we're going to do this. Well, we took that into consideration. That's, that is, I think there's plenty of flexibility and we'll follow the guidance of two different organizations taking local conditions into account. Um, but I'd rather, on a procedural matter, not have a policy that is, in fact, rescinding a policy because it gives the appearance that we're doing something when we're really not. Um, and so that's kind of where I stand on the options before us. Thank you, Mr. Reinger. Ms. Silverman, did you have your, your no? Okay. Any other comments? I mean, I, I think, you know, it's hard for me mentally to separate this from Dr. Noonan, you know, so I think we all know that D Dr. Noonan has really guided the school system for the past two years. And, you know, for those of us who were here two years ago, we know there was no guidance coming from anywhere. And so uh, Dr. Noonan and Ms. Sharp and the team had to really create that on their own. And so it's sort of hard thinking about this policy as, you know, someday when we're not around this table and Dr. Noonan is here, that we could have a superintendent who doesn't want to follow, you know, any kind of guidance and just goes off, you know, on their own. And so I do think as much as Ms. Silverman, I, I like that flexibility hearing Dr. Noonan sort of during this conversation, I'm thinking, you know, it maybe it is better for the future of the school system to have to be a little bit tighter with that direction saying using that word follow. But there is an out because we do have that taking local um, conditions into consideration. I think, you know, when we think about the pandemic, one in particular is that I think about is our high vaccination rate. You know, we were much higher, had a much higher rate than the rest of the state. And so to me, that would give, you know, it, that's a local condition that could be, you know, we could sway from guidance if, if necessary. That's just an example I was thinking of. So uh, I think Vice Chair Gould, do you have something? 
So maybe just a clarifying question. If, if we, if the, the Silverman policy is what we operated under the last two years, if that's a fair characterization and we're trying to, it sounds like you're trying to advocate for more tighter control of following guidance. The, the last phrase that I'm getting tripped on taking local considerate conditions into consideration seems like, and you just said, uh, chair downs, that's an out for the superintendent to deviate from the guidance. Um, if that is the case, if that is the case that yes, you're supposed to follow the guidance, for example, as a superintendent, and then, but you have an out to take local conditions into consideration, then how are these two policies different from an operation standpoint? Um, if for example, Dr. Noonan runs into another pandemic and the CDC is six months delayed in providing recommendations and he has to make decisions, he has an out, or for example, the CDC is delayed in uh, updating their metrics, which is what we just recently, and, and there was a, a number of pressure given all the, pro the progress that we had made with vaccinations and our rates, and we were making decisions to deviate from the CDC guidance in terms of a timeline that made deviates, my, not the right word that Dr. Noonan wants me to use, but I feel like both of them gives him the out. Um, so now what's the difference? Yeah, I'm asking that to Dr. Regner, or Mr. Regner, is that right? Because yeah, I, I just don't understand. So, yeah. Sure. No, and it's a very good question. Uh, I, I'd say in terms of the absolute guide rails, there's no difference, right? Dr. Noonan could conceivably, or the administration could do anything under any, any policy. It's really a question of oversight um, and what the response to oversight is. Because um, if there's no policy or there's a policy that says we'll take into consideration then, you know, the answer, the, the school board can, can quiz the superintendent on, you know, what did you look at and all those sorts of things, but essentially his or her decision is unfettered other than based on his or her discretion. If we say you will follow the guidance, then it's incumbent on the superintendent to explain how he or she did their best to follow the guidance. It creates a signpost to follow and it creates an oversight mechanism to make sure that that policy is implemented. I mean, it, it goes back exactly to what Dr. Ortiz was saying about, you know, from a regulatory enforcement perspective. So we have lots of policies that depend upon the goodwill and good judgment of the administration and superintendent. I don't want to control that. But what we often do in policy is say, you know, here's the guidepost, here's the, you know, here's our guide star, whatever you want to call it. Here's what we look to to say on where we're going and what provides our mechanism. So. In that, I think there is a difference between either saying we will follow taking local conditions into account or saying nothing at all. Yes, Ms. Silverman. I think a good way to understand the two policies in practice would be, it, it, had the CDC not issued its updated guidance this past Friday, and if Mr. Reidinger's policy had been in effect, I believe it would have been more difficult for the superintendent to have had the flexibility to make masking changes. Um, and we'd probably, and under that proposal, I think it would have been harder to remove masks at this moment in time that versus the word consider. I think with the word consider, the superintendent would have been able to remove masks at this time, even without the updated CDC guidance. And I guess that just depends on what the board feels would have been the right course of action. Um, should, you know, Dr. Noonan have waited for the CDC for another month or two, or should Dr. Noonan have 
been able to make that decision on, on his own. Thank you, Ms. Silverman. Any other thoughts from anyone? We have in front of us two policies. I guess I'll need to sort of have a feeling of where the board is leaning. Um, I think as I read, I think, um, and I'm not trying to be divisive. I'm just trying to get a feeling of where, which way to, to head. I think uh, Vice Chair Gould and Ms. Silverman um, liked that, for lack of a better word, a little bit more flexible using that word consider. And then I believe Mr. Reininger and Dr. Ortiz um, had, would prefer the other policy. Um, I'm not sure, <laughs> Dr. Dimmick, um, what you're thinking. Do you have any thoughts? Um, I appreciate the comments on the need for a, a policy. Um, I guess some states in Virginia have a policy. How, how common is it to have a policy telling your superintendent to follow, a, follow public health guidance? I'm sorry to say, I don't have a good answer for that. I don't have a good understanding of what the other divisions are doing and why. Um, but I guess in thinking, if we are to have a policy that says follow public health guidance, then I actually want it to say follow guidance of the recognized public health institutions that we have, which would be the CDC and our local um, public health department. So I would agree with Dr. Thank you, Dr. Dimmick. Uh, Ms. Tice, not to put you on the spot, but where do you think? I mean, I, I guess I go back to what Vice Chair Gould said. I, I understand how, you know, the signposts might be a little different between the two, but to me, I don't see such a dramatic difference between the two in terms of like realistically implementing them. I mean, I think they both point to the experts and they both do have some flexibility. Um, so I, I honestly, I don't feel that strongly between the two. I think they're, they're, they're too similar and whoever is implementing them could find a way to implement what they think is best. And the board is always there as, um, as backup and guardrails for that. So. No, that's fine. Thank you. No, I mean, I think these policies are very, you know, it, we're really talking about a couple words here. So that's Ms. Silverman. I just wanted to note, um, I would rather rescind than, um, than have a policy that binds our hands too strongly. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, so I guess what we'll do, um, we will, I'll put, I, I think, and Mr. Reininger, you're, you're the expert on this sort of thing. Um, I was, do you wanna make a motion for your uh, policy and then we'll see where the votes land? I'd be happy to. Sorry, my computer locked. There. Um, Chair Downs, I move that the school board amend um, policy JA, um, to indicate in the version that was provided that set starts with, to the extent authorized by federal, state, and local law, 
the Falls Church City Public Schools will follow the guidance of the Centers of the Disease Control and the Fairfax County Health Department regarding public health events, taking local consider conditions into consideration. The Falls Church City School Board directs the superintendent to issue regulations and or implement practices to put this policy into operation. Thank you. And then if we could have, um, do you have board docs in front of you, Mr. Anger? The, uh, we have a motion on board docs about um, waiving the first reading. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, and I also did more late first read policy second policy. Thank you, Mr. Eniger. May I have a second? So moved. Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. All those in favor say yes. Yeah. Yes. All those opposed say no. Any abstentions? I'm sorry, is this voting on Mr. Reidinger's yes, policy? Is, yes. Okay, so no, sorry. Okay. That's okay. Um, Ms. Goodell, do you think maybe we should do a roll call? Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, thank you. All right, so right now, just to clarify, we're, we are voting on uh, Mr. Reidinger's version of the amended JA policy. Ms. Goodell. Dr. Dimmick. Yeah. Ms. Dell. Yes. Dr. Gould. No. Dr. Ortiz. Yes. Mr. Reitinger. Yes. Ms. Silverman? No. And Ms. Tice? Yes. The motion passed. Thank you, Ms. Goodell. And I'd like to thank everyone for gathering this morning. It was a great conversation. And I know that we all uh, wanted our, you know, we are, we're all on the same page. We just maybe have a few minor differences, but want to give you, Dr. Noonan, you know, some guidance, but not step into the operational uh, pool. So I hope we're doing that with this policy. I appreciate the conversation this morning. It was nice to hear everybody's different perspectives. Um, so functionally, um, how we'll operate now going forward um, is like, like in the immediate um, is that this morning or early afternoon, depending on whenever we can get the document translated and then put into a podcast, um, we will send out an, uh, an update to the entire community, um, giving information about where we are with um, the CDC guidance um, that we're in medium, that in medium, there's a certain um, swath of actions that we'll take uh, and continue to take. Um, and, I, and I do want to remind everybody, we will continue to remain vigilant through this process. Um, there are a number of things in the medium range that with respect to mitigation, we'll continue to do, whether it's, you know, strong ventilation, deep cleaning, um, eating outside whenever possible and, and doing those kinds of things. But there are some, um, actions within medium and low that will indicate in the message to the community that really begins to return some uh, normalcy to our schooling. Um, probably the uh, largest is that in medium and low, um, masking for students is completely optional. Uh, and that will go for staff as well. And I wanna um, just let the board know that while that does um, run contrary to what the Department of Labor and Industry regulations currently suggest, um, that, the regulations are in review right now, and there's an anticipation within about 10 days that those regulations will change. So the policy, or the not the policy, but the decisions that we've made in terms of operational perspective will be for both students and for staff, and that will implement tomorrow. Um, and so um, 
I, I see this as <laughs> I see this as a pretty significant um, turning point in this pandemic, to be honest. And it's um, been two really hard years, um, and and I see us starting to emerge from this in a way that um, may allow us to get back to some business as usual. And um, I think it starts tomorrow. So I'm really excited. Thanks. Thank you, Dr. Noonan. And thank you, everyone. Thank you for the staff for coming at 8 a.m. this morning. And thank you for the board and for this great discussion. I think it was really productive. And with that, we'll adjourn the meeting. Thank you.